stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Well, I'm, uh, this is the day. What day is this? Oh, it's the day that the Lord has made. And we're going to be rejoicing and being glad in it. We're excited about the, the opportunity to come and look at the Word of God. You know, there's a question that, uh, well, not necessarily a question, there's a statement that a lot of people might make in their lives. Man, I need a miracle. Have you ever said that before? I, I, I did. You know, if, I could, if I could only have a miracle, I mean, things would be all right. Well, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at, in the kingdom of God, the law of miracles. Now, when we say law, we're looking at how, the, in the kingdom of God, how miracles operate under certain regulations, on certain conditions, miracles will take place. You know, it would be nice if God just came and just zapped, and you know, that's it. But He doesn't choose to do that. He chooses to, to work with people. He's always chosen to do that, to work with people, even to have a miracle to take place. Now, what is a miracle? Well, it's God's willingness to disrupt his natural order. You've got natural order and the way things function all the time, the way things happen. Uh, he's always doing things, you know. And uh, so he's got a way of just coming and saying, I'm going to disrupt the, this natural order of mine to get something accomplished, to get it accomplished in someone's life or into a certain situation. So we're going to look at miracles. And when, when this takes place, uh, he, he does, a miracle can take place. God just comes and says, this is the way it's going to happen. It's not normal, but it's going to take place. Now I'm going to ask John to give an example here out of Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. Then spoke Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of 
Jeshur. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua prayed, talked to the Lord, and, and, and he, said, he didn't say it this way, but he said, listen, i got to take care of these enemies that have come against us, and I'm going to need more daylight. You know? And uh, so that's what actually took place is that, you know, you usually have a certain time the sun comes up, then the sun goes down. Well, in this particular case, God just stopped that, disrupted that normal order of things, and had daylight for a whole day, maybe 24 hours even. It just took place. The sun just stopped. There it is. So he could have opportunity during the daylight to avenge Israel's enemies. So that's what a miracle is all about. God disrupting his natural order of things to get his will to be done to accomplish here on this earth. And guess what? Joshua was a part of that. He prayed. He, he sought God for help. And it took place. So, are you waiting for a miracle to take place in your life? Are you waiting for a miracle to happen? It's, it's something that's going to take place if we get involved in that miracle. God wants to work with us. He's chosen to do that. And so you might ask sometimes, well, I'm just waiting on a miracle. Have you ever said that before? Well, the thing of it is, maybe God's waiting on you huh, to participate in being able for the miracle to occur and you receive that miracle in your life. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at the context first because I saw that this morning for the first time. <laughs> I just looked at it. You know, when you look at the Bible, uh, things are just not written. Where well, I got this segment here, and I got this segment here, and this occurred, and that occurred. It all goes together. It all happens together. So in in first part of 1 through 11 of chapter 11, we have Jesus coming in, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I mean, he's coming in like a, a victorious man. I mean, everybody's just praising him, and, and he's coming in to enter into the temple, enter into God's temple. And that's what you have to realize that that's what Jesus is doing at this time. He's coming into the temple already knowing there's going to be victory. Yeah, that's what's going to take place. So then in the next verses, 12 through 14, um, he, he's hungry. You know, did Jesus get hungry before? I mean, you know, he, he wanted to have some figs off of a fig tree. It had leaves on there, and it should have been figs. And since there were not any figs there, he said, no, you're not going to produce any fruit anymore. So what he did, he actually disrupted He disrupted the natural order of things of this tree producing figs. And a, a miracle took place in that it wasn't going to produce any more figs anymore. 
So, now we have verses 15 through 19. We have prayer is the main thing in God's house. Yeah. You see, he went into the, his, his father's house, his temple, and there they were selling things. I mean, they were doing all these things and, and incurring on something for themselves and maybe try to earn some money, have a bake sale. <coughs> that sounds familiar to Dr. Day type thing, you know. But, uh, you know, that's what churches do, don't they? Yeah, they raise money and they have it. And, and Jesus came in and said, listen, my house is to be a house of prayer. So Jesus is emphasizing here uh, that there m- must be prayer. There's got to be prayer involved in all of this. Prayer needs to take place. And then he goes on into the next verses in 20 and 21, and the disciples came to him and asking this natural question, how come the fig tree died out? I mean, they're all in the natural realm, but now Jesus is going to get them into the spiritual realm to teach them about receiving a miracle. You see, he's always trying to put things together for them. He's trying to show them, and now he's trying to teach them. And it's a hard thing sometimes to teach people something new when they get caught up into the natural. So here in the next verses, we're going to look at how to receive a miracle into our life. First of all, in Mark 11:22, have faith in God. Now, the disciples just saw a fig tree die out, and he comes up and says, have faith in God. What does that have to do with a fig tree dying? I mean, I'm sure that's what they're asking in themselves. That doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense at all because, you see, they're always naturally minded and Jesus is spiritually minded. And now he's coming to teach them a principle that's going to benefit their lives. First of all, in order to receive or in order to participate in a miracle to happen in your life, you need to have faith in God. That means... I'm going to trust him, whatever he says, whatever he wants done, I'm going to trust him in it. And what reminded me this morning was I was driving here. That's exactly what took place with me when when God called me to go to Oral Roberts University. It didn't make sense to the natural that I could go. But I had to have faith in God and faith in what He said. That starts the process of beginning to receive a miracle into your life. You cannot... Well, it's hard to receive a miracle if you don't believe God. How are you going to... You've got to believe what He says He's going to do. And therefore, I've got to trust Him. I've got to have total faith in Him, nothing else... I'm not going to listen to anything else. Faith in God. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Now, um, he goes on, you know, well, let me put it to you another way. How many of you sitting here or how many of you listening today can see the wind? You can't see wind, can you? 
No, no. But you can see the results of the wind. Yes, yeah, you can see what the result, what the wind might do. Uh, how many ever can actually see into the spiritual realm? Whoa. Well, uh, but you can see the results of the spiritual realm when it comes and affects the things in the physical realm. You see, I've got to have faith that what I can't see is going to take place. Oh, oh, mercy. It's getting deep in here, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, but that's exactly what God expects us to do. Have faith in what we can't see. Then it will eventually happen, maybe right away, down into the physical realm. So we've got to have faith in God. Next thing you know, we're looking at verse 23. Oh, that's jam-packed with stuff there. It says, uh, For surely I say to you, uh, whatever, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt which in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. And he will have whatever he says. Woo! Mercy. We could stay all year on that verse, but we don't have that much time. Let's try to see if we can get down to the to the exact what God is trying to teach us here. First of all, um, we, whoever says to this mountain, uh, you got a mountain in your life that needs a miracle? You got a situation in your life that needs a miracle, something that God needs to take place. What you got to do is you got to get your eyes off of the mountain, your eyes off of the situation. You got to take your eyes off of those circumstances and all those impossibilities in your life, and you got to look upon God and all His possibilities. You see, that's beginning to get your eyes off of the physical and into the spiritual realm. What I can't see, but I'm going to look at God because I know what He can do. And over in, uh, in Mark 9:23, it says, All things are possible with God. Now, we either believe that or don't believe it. So, I'm going to believe that all things are possible with God, then I can believe that in this process of receiving a miracle, a miracle happening into my life, I'm going to believe it to take place even though it doesn't look possible. That's faith. I'm trusting God to do it. His possibilities will come to pass. It will take place. Got to get my eyes off of the natural and on to what God can do. Um, I'm going to turn over to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Very familiar story about Caleb and, and, and the 12 spies. The 12 spies went into looking to see whether or not they could take the land. And everything looked good. It was exactly what God promised. It was fruitful. It was exactly a plush 
you know, it's like going in and, and seeing a, well, a nice, uh, well, I, I'm going to go in, into a home and I'm going to look outside and there it is, my promised land. I'm sitting by the water. <laughs> that would be my promised land. My promised land would be sitting by the beach and listening to the water fall in like I was in Panama City a while back and I was sitting on the balcony and watching all the waves roll in. And it was so comforting. It was so nice. That's my promised land. But they had a promised land that the nation of Israel would go into. And But the problem was ten spies said, uh-oh, uh, that's not exactly in the Scripture, but that's exactly what they were saying. Uh-oh, uh, there were those people there uh, uh, bigger than us. They're bigger They're bigger than us. They're, they're giants. They're nine feet tall even. I mean, you know, we kind of exaggerate. And that's what was taking place in them. Uh, uh, we can't do anything. But then Caleb, Caleb came along now in verse 30 and said in Numbers 13, Caleb quieted the, the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, as for we are well able to overcome. You see, Caleb didn't have his eyes on the giants. He had his eyes on the promise. He had his eyes on what God promised. I'm going to put you into this land. Therefore, Caleb knew exactly that would take place. When you keep your eyes on God and off of the problem, then it will come to pass. And we, we know that uh, in verse 31, uh, it said, We are able. We are able to go up against the people. For they are, uh, that's what they, I'm sorry, the men said, we're not able to go up because they're stronger than we are. Now, what are you going to look at? Are you going to look at what the situation is? Or are you going to look at what God says He's going to do? That's what we need to get our eyes on to. God says He will perform the miracle. He will bring it to pass. That's what we need to keep our eyes on. So, we need to have faith in God. We need to get our eyes off of the circumstances and on to God. Now, in Romans 4.19, John has that. It's about Abraham. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He's going to have a baby. Uh, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> you do realize that my wife is 90 and I'm almost a hundred. Now, what, what uh, this doesn't make sense. But see, he did not consider his body. Did not consider the physical. He only considered what God said. That can bring forth the miracle. That will help bring forth the miracle. So, have faith in God. Consider what God said He will do, taking your eyes off of the physical circumstances, off of the problem completely. 
Don't look at that. You've got to look at what God says totally. Now, let's go to the next part. Uh, they're still in, in Mark 11, uh, verse 23. Now it said that it does not doubt. Oh, oh! I mean, I, I can't, I can't have any doubts in my heart. Uh, whoa! Uh, wait a minute! I'm a physical being. Aren't I going to stray? And no, he said, no doubts. No doubts in your heart. Uh, Romans chapter four, verses twenty through twenty-one. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham didn't waver whatsoever. Had no doubts whatsoever. I mean, well, it took a long time for him to arrive to this point, didn't it? It really did. I mean, it didn't come overnight. And it's not going to come overnight in our lives as we continue to grow in the Lord as we continue to, to begin to trust Him, maybe in small things, maybe in a little bit more, but begin to realize that what He says He will do. So Abraham came to that point, I'm not going to doubt at all. I am fully convinced of what God says He's going to do. I am not going to look at my body. I am not going to consider any doubts whatsoever. Over in James chapter 1, that's uh, back there. If any of you lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But let not the man suppo- let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So don't doubt. You can't pray with doubts. It won't bring any results. Doubts do not bring results. Only trusting in God, believing in Him, knowing that what He says He will do, that's it. Period. Period. Doubts will never bring results. It Well, I have to maybe back up a little bit. It may delay them. It could delay them. Because God's still waiting on me to believe. <laughs> He's still waiting on me to trust Him and to bring to pass what He said. But doubts do not enter into the picture. So, we've got to have faith in God. We've got to keep our eyes on God. And we've got to make sure that we have no doubts whatsoever. We're not going to waver. You know, uh, one day, yes, God, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And you get up the next day, God, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about this. And you get up the next day, yeah, hallelujah, I'm excited. It's going, oh, you know, you're kind of up and down. You know, no. We're not, every day, praise the Lord, I got my miracle. Hallelujah. Because see, that enters into the next part of it. Um, Mark 11:23. it says, to speak. Those who say unto the mountains, we've got to speak. We've got to speak. You see, we've come to the point now that we have faith in God. 
We've come to the point that we've got our eyes off of circumstances and on to God. We've come to the point in our lives that we don't have any doubt. Now, with all of that out of the abundance of our hearts, no doubt in our hearts, so that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. We're going to speak. We're going to speak God's promise. We're going to speak what God's going to do. And that's what uh, happened. And in, in going back to my example that I had this morning coming here, when I, we went to Old Roberts University, I began to speak. We're going. We're going. We're going. People come by. I said, what are you doing? Why are you packing? We're going. I'm, I'm going to Old Roberts University. I'm, I'm going there. You've been accepted. No. But I'm going. Because I know that I'm going. That's it. I don't have to have the physical evidence. I know I know that I know. So I speak what I know. That's it. You don't do anything else. And that's that's what Jesus did. Uh remember Jesus in uh, performing all kinds of miracles. Uh I gotta get these pages separated here. All kinds of miracles he did. Remember uh he uh stilled the storm? He he said Disciples, let's pray. No, peace be still. He spoke to the storm. And and, and further on in in Mark chapter 5, he raised a girl from the dead. How did he do it? Spoke. Spoke it into existence. Uh, He cast out the death and dumb spirit. How? He spoke to it. He also cleansed the leper. What did he do? He spoke. You're cleansed. He spoke a word from a remote location and a Roman servant was healed. He didn't even have to go there. He just spoke the word. Now, what is that saying? You mean I'm to do what Jesus did? Yes. Well, how can I do that? Well, I'm going to do exactly what Jesus did. Uh, John 5, 5, 19. Is that back there? Yep. Okay. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So whatever he sees the Father doing, that's what he's going to do. You know, I'm sure also whatever he hears his Father say, Hey, I'm going to say the same thing. And that's what we're to do. Whatever we hear the Father saying, hey, uh, be gone. Get out. Don't, come on. Go. Leave. Speak. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. It has no, it has no right to be there. You have the authority over the situation. You are greater than any situation at all. You speak to it. Speak to it now. And then Mark eleven twenty four it says, Now when you pray. Hmm. You remember Jesus would always go off and do what? Pray. Seek the Father. Come to Him. Find out what's going on. And then go back. And next thing after He prayed, what? A miracle took place. A miracle happened. So, uh, do what Jesus did. Pray and res- and begin to enter into that 
miracle, begin to receive the miracle that God has that we can enter into that speaking. Because he began to hear what the Father said, see what the Father's been doing, and then go here and he did it. And he spoke it. So as we pray, begin to receive, believe that we receive, and we'll have it. So we go now, we're going to speak it. Because that helps us to enter in if I know I got it. <laughs> I tell you, if I know I'm, I've got it inside of me, it's going to come out. Because I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. This is like standing up here teaching. I'm not sure John may see the same thing or anybody that stands up here teaching. You know, I open my mouth and, and he fills it. That's it. That's the only thing that takes place. See, it's not my words, it's his words. So therefore, Jesus would go and, and speak the word of the Father. It would be open his mouth and there comes the word of the Father. Come and disrupt things in the natural to cause things to happen as a miracle into people's lives. Well, hallelujah. That, that, that's great. I mean, that's going to happen all the time. Yeah, there's going to be no problems with that whatsoever. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, Jesus didn't finish there. He said, and, uh, uh, oh gosh, therefore, oh, oh, mercy, uh, um, uh, and, that word and there, I wish he'd eliminate that thing because you said that and ties in everything we just said. And <laughs> whoever will stand praying, if he has anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you and your trespasses. Uh-oh. You mean unforgiveness can stop it? Can hinder it from happening? Yes. Yes, it can. Because you've got to deal with the unforgiveness. Our relationship with other people are very important. Very important. Matthew 22, 36. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six states, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, it's good. Oh, love the Lord, well, God. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I love you, Lord. And I thank you for loving me. Glory. I think everything is right in that. Oh, praise be unto God. And then he turns right around and says, Now I want you to go love others. Love others. Love others. You can't go love others if you've got bitterness in your heart towards them. You've got to get that settled. You can't go love others if, if they did something against you and you can't stand it. You've got to get deal with that. That's what it says in Matthew 5, 21 through 24. You've got to deal with it. You've got to get it taken care of. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. 
but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, mm-hmm. and, re- and there remember that your brother has aught against you, leave there your gift before the altar, and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Yes. If you're going to think you're going to receive something from God, I'm right here, God, ready to receive my miracle. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I, I am waiting on my miracle. I got it. Hallelujah. I'm going to get I know. I know you're going to do it in my life. I, hallelujah. i got faith in you, Lord. Hallelujah. I, I've got my eyes off the situation, Lord. Hallelujah. That's what you told me to do. And I'm, I'm my eyes on you, God. And I, I don't doubt at all that you're going to do it whatsoever. And I'm speaking it right now into existence. I'm speaking through that mountain in my life. Hallelujah. I know it's going to happen. Praise the Lord. But then he said, Now you remember that guy that that did something against you and you've been holding this against him? Uh, uh, No, I forgot about it, God. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You still got it, didn't you? Well, you got to go get reconciled. You got to go get reconciled first, and then come back to the old. You, you see, it's going to hinder it every single time if we have unforgiveness in our lives. If we don't have reconciliation with other people, if we're not loving them, it's a big hindrance to receiving anything from God. So we need to be able to do that. So, you want a miracle from God? Yeah, I want one. I am just waiting for it to take place. And God says, I'm waiting on you to participate because there are certain elements that you need to get yourself into order. Yeah, He could speak into me right now. I mean, just everything, just completely. But He's chosen always. I mean, He could come and just say, okay, uh, you be saved. Uh, you, you got Jesus. I'm going to take you to heaven. I'm going to take you to heaven. And he could just, but he's chosen to use people. And therefore, we have a, a part in receiving the miracle into our lives. Hallelujah. So I encourage you, have faith in God. I encourage you, get your eyes off of the problem that you're dealing with that you need a miracle for. Get them on to God completely. I encourage you. I am not going to doubt. I'm going to get rid of I'm not going to doubt. No doubts. No, I am not. God said it. That's it. And I'm going to speak it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say to this mountain, be removed out of my life. And guess what? God, if there's anything in my life that's hindering this, Reveal that to me. That I can get it settled with other people. If I've got anything against anyone, or anyone has something against me, y'all want to get that settled right now. Show me, Holy Spirit. I encourage you today to participate in what God's going to do in your life. He has the fullness of His kingdom ready to be showered upon you today. And everything there is, is yours, available. Will you work with Him? You, we are co-laborers with Jesus. Praise be unto God. In Jesus' name, your miracle is there for you today. 
Amen and amen. Eu quero ser um testemunho. Remove o erro e crie o bem em mim. Yeah.